Welcome to Satisfied. This is Nick Jackson, pastor of Timberline Baptist Church in Lacey, Washington. And this is Bobby Gaither, pastor of Hope Fellowship in Hillsboro, Oregon. Hey, I went to a Hillsboro Hops game last night. Oh, a what? A Hops H- Hill- game? Hops. It's what, a what minor league team. Like baseball? Like baseball, single A. Okay. Dude, it's fun. Yeah? Yeah. Did you get popcorn? Uh, I did not. Hot dog? Uh, did not. Pretzel? Did not. Did you eat? According to the USDA, yes. <laughs> but um, it's I had like a, my favorite part is like you're eating junk food at those things. <laughs> I had a uh, um, emoji. Uh, what are they called? An emoji? I, not an emoji or an emoji, but I think they're called mojimi. They're like this drink. That sounds like some like, honeydew melon drink. Chinese with, like it is. Yeah, it has those little ball things in the bottom of them, like they like you know with different oh, fruit. Kind of, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. Some kind of tea. Was it good? Dude, it was excellent. It was kind of weird though. Was it like ten dollars? It was seven. <laughs> was it like a twelve ounce cup? It was actually no. It was more like sixteen. Or, okay. So it was actually pretty good size. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. I was in uh I was in Spokane this last weekend. I, I, I didn't go to church as you heard earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> like I went to I went to a basketball tournament for my kids. Yes. Uh, so Spokane has the largest three on three basketball tournament in uh, the country, is what I hear. Like four hundred and fifty courts, tons of people, tons of teams. Uh, my youngest son got second. That's pretty in his cool. Age group. My my daughter she won she won in a drawing some Kyrie. Five or Kyrie, I don't know. Who, what who now is with the Brooklyn Nets, by the way. We can talk yes, today the on the so podcast. So is KD. Yes. Kevin Durant's going And so there. is DeAndre Jordan. And so so my, my daughter won like $150 pair of basketball shoes. Mm-hmm. Like I would never buy her those shoes. Yeah. Like I love her, but I love her like $40 worth of basketball <laughs> shoes. Um, you know, I mean, she's just grown out of them. So, and then my my older son, who's like amazing at basketball, they, their team didn't do so hot, but they had fun. They yeah. had fun. It was a good time. We're going to do it next year. So today on Satisfied, we're talking uh, about our weekend. We're talking about NBA free agency, and we're talking about um, your son's birthday. Well, there's that. I was actually going to go. to I know, our but, actual hold topic. On, but hold on. But hold on. Yeah. So my so son, how old is he going to be? Eleven. The wow. big one one. So he's he um, he is officially calling himself a preteen, which is it, that's mm, like a tweener or uh, yeah, what I do don't they call think it's it? Quite, he's a, a tweenager. Yeah, I don't know. No, he, he's they, not. They try a to make it sound yet. cool, but anytime you add the word tween to something, yeah, yeah. He, it makes me think of yeah, other like things, cartoons he, or something. Yeah, he he did get his first zit. Whoa. Yeah, actually, and he was kind of proud of it. It's pretty cool. Really? Yeah. Well, we, you know, you want to encourage that and say, hey, it? dude, that's part. No, we actually told him not to. What? He's well, got popped that there thing. Was no why- <laughs> there was no. Why- <laughs> 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 this like, is this the coolest is, going- is like when you pop it and it like hits the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I think we just. Uh, yeah. All right. So wait, his birthday is coming up. His um, birthday is coming up. So so he's in the other room. He's in the other room. Oh, wait, what'd you get him? Did you get him something cool? Um. Yes. You give him acne cream. Um. No. Deodorant. Uh. Yes. He probably needs it. He does, and that's actually part of what we've been talking with him about. Is time. It's getting to that point where he's got to shower every yeah. day, and because yeah. there's it's a good and, thing. And he's I'm out, trying to still do that. He, really? Yeah. Um. Huh. Uh, <laughs> 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 no. We 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 are doing quite a few things for him, and, and the biggest thing, honestly, is the birthday party. We're having a, a tons of it's cool. tons of kids over, and yours, yeah, you got, yours is one of them. Kids at your house tonight. Uh, f- too many. 
So uh, do you I want, want to spend the night at my house? I might. Yeah. But you're up here in Lacey, and I got to take him down to... Just stay. Just stay up here, dude. <laughs> you wow, know fun. My wife would kill dude, me. Dude, that would be amazing. <laughs> okay. All right. So should we make a shift? Let's, Why let's, don't you make let, this seamless? Let's, let's make this seamless. So today um, we're talking about. Actually, we're addressing the topic. Well, we've the, been in a series. Okay, let's take it all the way back. We're in a series. We're in a series uh, we, looking at the doctrines of grace, mm-hmm. and so far we've looked at AKA a tulip, a tulip, AKA Calvinism. There you go. Uh, and so we've looked at total depravity. We've looked at unconditional election, and today we're looking at limited. Well. Particular, definite, definite atonement, atonement. Depending on how you how you slice this it. This is this is like now getting ready for like this talk. I mean, I've loved it. Like I've grown in my love for this doctrine more and more. And yet, this is like so so often because tulip five points of Calvinism. Yeah. And so a lot of people will say, "Look, I'm a four pointer," and and what they mean is, okay, I can affirm four of the points, but you know, one of them is kind of hard, and often it's limited yeah, or particular atonement, definite yeah. atonement. Limited atonement is is the tulip use of it, but this is the one that kind of rubs people the wrong way. Yeah. And so, I've grown in my love for it. And as we were talking earlier, man, this this thing ought to lead us to to praise. Well, and I think we'll, we're going to get there as we talk about this at the end at the end of the um, this podcast, especially when you go towards application. I think one I think one of the major um, obstacles for those who would call themselves a four pointer or, or even a lowercase l. I don't know if you heard that. I'm a tulip. Seriously? I, I'm a tulip guy with lowercase L. I um, didn't know we... Uh, no, that's Yeah, there's uppercase and lowercase. There's all kinds of nuances here. Huh. Uh, but I think one of the biggest reasons why people have a hard time with this doctrine is they don't understand the application. Yeah. They don't understand like what, what, it, what it really... Uh, how it really applies and what it really means. I mean, I, I recall... Um, when I first was introduced to the doctrines of grace, you know, a.k.a. Calvinism, I'd, I'd have conversations with other friends, and they would say, well, if it doesn't really make a difference in what you do, why is, why is what you believe important? And, and now, with more, ba- more understanding, I would say, well, what you believe really does oh, man, make a difference. And not just what you do, but how you understand God's grace and His, his mercy and, and His love for you. Yeah. Uh, so let's get into it. So, the, so well, on that, like... DeYoung, and this is cool. So DeYoung wrote his last book, something on the Canons of Dort. I can't remember it. Basically, anything <laughs> Kevin DeYoung writes, I think is pretty awesome. He's an amazing writer. Uh, but he said that without the L in tulip, the, the flower would wither. And I, after studying this doctrine more, I, I totally agree. Like, like this doctrine is beautiful. So how about we... How about I'll read the Arminian position. So okay. this is this is the position that would say um, I don't agree with limited atonement or definite atonement, and, and we'll we'll define that as we go. And Bobby, you do the reform position. So the Arminians would say uh, Christ's redeeming work makes it possible for everyone to be saved. His death did not actually secure the salvation of anyone. His death enabled God to part to. Oh, sorry, that was weird. To pardon sinners on the condition they believe but it did not actually put away anyone's sins christ's redemption only becomes effective if we choose to accept it okay right so that's the arminian position they believe that christ's death did not actually secure anyone's salvation christ died to simply make salvation 
impossible. Yep. So now... Okay. So reform position would read like this. Christ's redeeming works was intended to save the elect only, and it actually secured salvation for them. His death was a substitutionary endurance of the penalty of sin in the place of certain specified sinners. In addition to putting away the sins of his people, Christ's redemption secured everything necessary for their salvation, including faith, which unites them to him. The gift of faith is infallibly applied by the Spirit to all whom Christ, all for whom Christ died, thereby guaranteeing their salvation. So there we have... The Arminian position says Jesus' yeah. death on the cross makes yeah. salvation possible, but the Reformed position says it doesn't just make it possible, it actually secures a particular bride. Um, and so uh, I guess when it comes down to it, like what we're actually talking about is did Christ's work on the cross make it possible for sinners to come to God, or did Christ's work on the cross efficaciously reconcile sinners to God? Meaning, did... Did Jesus just make us savable, or did he actually save people? And, and this is huge. It really, it really is a, a big yeah. uh, doctrine, and it makes a, a difference in, in what we think and how we read the Bible and how we understand the cross. Well, and I, and I think um, uh, before we go, jump to the next point, we, we have to remember that, that this is in series, and I think that makes sense. Um, yeah. to, when you understand how totally depraved you are, uh, and at least there came a point for me where I understood that I, without the Spirit of God intervening on me, I would choose sin and sin always. Yeah. And and so there's there would be no hope for me to come to Him because I just I recognize how dang sinful my heart is. Uh, and then and then you see that you of unconditional election, right? Well, what is the you? That God elected, God chose. Before the foundations of the of, of the world, yeah, uh, not based on foreknowledge, meaning not based on foreknowledge of knowing our choices, right? Or if we choose him, or, or we because cho- that, we're just exactly such it. good people, because because if we really understand total depravity, we know we're not going to choose him. Our choices aren't going to lead us to him. But unconditional election, the you and tulip would say that God, in His love, because He is love, chose us, knowing us like having a relational knowledge of us. Right. And so the L is what follows, and that knowing those whom he, who his bride is, those whom belong to him, yeah. that he lovingly, sacrificially atoned for their sin and saved them, perfected them. Uh, one thing that's not listed in this reform position, also bought by the, the substitutionary atonement or, or by his atonement, is our sanctification. Yeah. Like it, our holiness. When I think that's what it meant when it said, uh, you read, Christ's redemption secured everything necessary, everything necessary. for our salvation, yeah. including our faith, yep. um, our sanctification, justification, yep. um, everything. Yeah. yeah. So, so the L in limited atonement, which we're going to call... Definite atonement Definite or particular atonement. atonement. And the reason is, is because, um, well, it kind of, one thing we wanted to say is a lot of people, when they get to this doctrine, they're, they reject it because it's often presented with such a negative view. I mean, it, it often is, so wait a minute, you're saying Jesus didn't die for all, all people? You're saying Jesus only died for, for some, and so these people are just going to go to hell? Um, like Jesus doesn't love them, Jesus doesn't want them. 
and it's presented with a very negative yeah. view. Yeah. Um, and so when we, and I think Metters, I think in his book, he said, if we start a doctrine with a negative view, we should not be surprised when it's received with yeah, negativity sure. or, or something like yeah, that, yeah. which I thought was really good. Of course, I kind of butchered it on how I... A little bit. Quoted but, him, but but, but you know what I'm saying. The point, like, the point is, if we talk made. negatively, we shouldn't expect positive results. It's going to bring about negativity. And so, uh, one thing we want to do here is 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 talk about it the way the Bible talks about it, because the yeah. Bible never talks about limited atonement with some negative view, as if Jesus's death on the cross wasn't able to yeah. uh, to purchase, you know. Um, all people and wasn't sufficient for yeah. all sins. But what we're saying is while Jesus' death was sufficient for all people, it was only efficient for our particular bride. So we do believe in the Calvinist position that Jesus died for a particular bride, not everyone on earth and that everyone yeah. has lived. We believe just for those whom he has elected. See, um, and, and that's going to be, and that is, for, for many people, a, a really hard brick yeah. to swallow. And, and, and it, does, it does take time. It, like, it, let's, oh, man. Let's not just yeah, like, it, glaze over that and be like, hey, you need to believe this right now. Yeah. Like, it takes time to grow in, in a lot of the, the deeper doctrines of God's Word. Well, and, and I would also say that this is where, you know, I think we were talking, I can't, at this point, man, I hate it when we do this. So, so this when we so come together... It goes in your mouth, not your eye, dude. Ah, coffee in the mouth. Seriously, it was hot. <laughs> I we, should put a label on my coffee. It's hot. Hot. Caution. Don't pour an eye. Don't pour it on your eye. <laughs> um, no, when we come together, unfortunately, we don't hit record right away. We sit and uh, we, I think we should. No, uh, no, Yeah, no. we should. Dude, it, would, it, would, it would be a glorious. We already talked about your son's acne. Imagine if we hit record earlier, what oh, would come man. on this thing? Yes, it'd, it'd be wonderful. And horrible. Um, anyhow, uh, when we talked about the lower, the lowercase <laughs> L, your the, son's the, never gonna listen to this. I hope, I hope not. Too uh, maybe when he's like twenty. Um, when we talked about the lowercase L people, those are the people that would say yes. He 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 died for his sheep, but he also, in some ways, died for the whole world. Hmm. And and meaning that offer of salvation is open to the whole world, and I, I think part of what we have to uh, help people understand is we're we're not limiting the offer of salvation, right? That's that's not what we're saying. Like when when Jesus said, "Whoever will come to me," it's whoever will come to me, right? But what we understand uh, of people, what we understand of our our. Original, our, our condition from original sin, our total depravity, is that we won't come to Him unless the Spirit does something. Right, unless regenerates us, regenerates makes us, alive. us. Yeah, and and what we understand of God, of who God is. Now we can't we can't anthropomorphize Him and say, well, I wouldn't do it that way, or that doesn't seem just to me. Right. But what we understand of God and His Word is that before the foundation of the world, He He chose us in Christ. Yes. So he he died for his sheep. Well, hey, let's let's jump into. Well, uh, I like uh, like just there was a couple quotes um, I'd written down, like one by John Murray. Christ 
did not come to put men in a redeemable position, but to redeem himself yeah. a people. Yeah. And then a guy named David Gibson wrote, definite atonement is beautiful because it tells a story of the warrior son who comes to earth to slay his enemy and rescue his father's people. He is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, a loving bridegroom who gives himself for his bride, and a victorious king who lavishes the spoils of his conquest on the citizens of his realm. Is there any way you could read that in a Scottish accent? Okay, just so you know. Like, what do you put? <laughs> I can't do Christ came as a warrior put. Do it, man. Do it. Do it all. <laughs> no. That is amazing. You, you're like uh, Braveheart. That's that's where I was Mel going. Gibson. That, I was channeling my inner freedom. Freedom. Um, but like that one by by Gibson. I mean, you think about it, what's the storyline of the Bible? The storyline of the Bible is that God creates a people, and then in the very beginning, Adam and Eve, they sin, they reject God, they become spiritually dead in their sins, and then what happens? Christ begins to unleash his redemption plan, saving a people through Abraham, culminating in Jesus Christ coming to die on a cross to what? To slay a dragon, so that when we get to Revelation, there's a bride. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the storyline of the Bible, and so when we think of of limited atonement or definite atonement, particular atonement. I mean, it's it's really the story of the Bible. Jesus came to save a bride, to save this um, this people that would live with him forever. Uh, that's the, the theme. That's the, the thrust of the whole Bible as it makes its way through. Well, um, and he pursues his bride. Yeah. And that's consistent with all the scripture. He pursues the lost sheep. It's the prodigal son. It's, I mean, he pursues us. He runs to us. Um, it's not a, um, gosh, how do I say this? Uh, I, w- I was thinking through this uh, earlier this week. And yes, it's Monday. I know. Sorry, last week, late last week. Because like it's Monday. I know. I, what did you do earlier this uh, week? Not, well, <laughs> yesterday was the first day of the week. Bro. All right, I'll give you that. Okay, there. Um, he, what Jesus did is he came specifically to pursue us. We don't have the ability, the moral, spiritual ability to pursue him. And, and that's really where and, you you started out earlier talking about you know, just the, the flow of the tulip, like total depravity. Like we, we in our sins do not want God. We cannot please God. Uh, we're enemies of God. And so there's nothing about God that we desire. And what we understand is through God's word is that the only reason we do want him is because his, his spirit has awoken us to him. The reason we see him beautiful is because we have a new heart and new eyes because of the work of Jesus on the cross and the work of the Spirit in our lives. We should probably also read some scripture here so people know where this doctrine, like what's the, what's yeah. the, the bones and the meat of the doctrine? Like why, why are we saying that limited atonement or definite atonement is a doctrine supported by scripture? Well, one, like, and it's good because we want to we see like what scripture says, that Jesus actually made salvation possible. Um, wait, wait, wait. Or, sorry, he actually saves. He doesn't just make it possible. Yeah. Um, like in, when you read 
especially Paul in his letters, he talks about how we are in Christ, how we've been justified, how we yeah. are sanctified. Um, like Titus 2.14 says, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Like mm-hmm. Jesus actually does save. He actually does redeem. Again, the Arminian position says he makes it possible but when you yeah. come to God's word, it's never Jesus makes it possible. He actually does redeem a people. Or Galatians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. So according to the will of God and Father, Jesus came to die so that we would be delivered, not maybe or the possibility would be presented to us so that if we choose him, we would be saved, but he actually died to deliver. Yep. Well, and I think of Colossians 1, right? He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have the redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It wasn't, he delivered us from the domain of, of darkness and now we're free to choose, or now we're free to roam about the country. Now we're free to do whatever we want. No, we're, we're delivered from the domain of darkness, and we're transferred into this kingdom of his beloved son. Uh, the other passage I think of is, is Revelation. Um, uh, I think it's four. Worthy are you. You know, you have the saints um, yeah. and the angels saying, worthy are you to be praised for, for you. Where is it? Dramatic pause. Think dramatic. Dun, dun, dun. It must be later than four. No, uh, Galatians four. Or Revelation four. That's what I thought. Worthy Revelation four ten. Uh, there it is. Thank you. Um, seated on the throne. Uh, no, I was looking for the one that says that you purchased man from every tribe, tongue, and language. That's chapter seven. Thank you. Like yep. verse nine. I think. Yes, you preached through this. So I you did. Were, so yeah, uh, the reason I can speak pretty, I'm pretty good in Revelation at the moment because I did, I did preach through it. I don't have all verses and chapters memorized. I don't, actually, it's not there either. We will get back to you on that one. All oh, right. wait, there it is. There it is. It's five, Revelation five. Worthy you to take the scrolls and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed or you purchased yeah. people for God from every tribe, tongue, and language, people, and nation. And you, you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. So Jesus is the actor. He yeah. is the doer here. We, we are the, <laughs> we're the property yeah. We're the property that we go from the kingdom of darkness and we were ransomed, we were bought, we were purchased, we belong to him. Yeah. And now we're in the kingdom of light. We're in the kingdom of, of the son of God. Well, and, you know, talking as, as the Bible speaks, like what we're bringing forth is, is the truths of what Jesus did. And, and like in Ephesians 2, verse 5, it says that we were made alive together with Christ by grace you've been saved. Verse yeah. 6, raised us up with him, mm-hmm. seated us with him. That's present tense. Yep. This happened. Not yeah. possibility, not, not an well, option, but we actually were, through his death, raised and seated with him in the heavenly places. And it's, it's passive, meaning it was done to us. Yes. 
Like we, the, the tense there is this was, he is the actor. He does this. He does this to us. Uh, and for those of you who are listening to this, and maybe this is the first time you've heard this kind of talk, or um, maybe you're struggling with where the beauty is, we're going to get there because there's great beauty to this. Definitely. I mean, that's, again, I, I think all of God's doctrines and his words are beautiful. Um, some of them, though, it takes a while to see the beauty, yeah. though. Yeah. Just because, <clears throat> like, this is a hard doctrine, and, and we don't want to glaze over that, and we don't want to, if you're listening to this and, and you're just sitting there going, man, this limited atonement, you think Jesus didn't actually die for every single person? I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that more in a few moments, but if you're there, that's okay. Uh, but w- we would just say, just keep pressing into Scripture, pressing into the context of, of how it speaks. Um, but like, you know, Romans 5, Jesus actually does secure the righteousness needed yeah. <clears throat> for our justification. It says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified, like we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by the wrath yes. of his, uh, of, by, by him by, from the wrath of God. Wrath of God. Yeah. We have been justified. These are, these are truths that, yeah. that are, are a reality because of what Jesus has done on the cross. He didn't make something possible, but he actually purchased. So, so, and if he actually purchased, and he imputed, this leads us to a doctrine called imputed, like imputed righteousness, right? right? Where his righteousness was imputed to us, which means it's an alien righteousness, it's a foreign righteousness, it's Christ's righteousness. So when God looks at us, we who believe into Jesus... We believe that he is the son of God. Yeah. God the Father sees the righteousness of Christ. Right. That's what it means in, in Corinthians when it says he became he who knew no sin became sin, right? So that in him. So that we might become the righteousness, the righteousness of, God. of God. So we, we he took our sin and 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 um, propiti- was our became a propitiation, our wrath bearer, and we took his righteousness. This is also the doctrine called the great exchange, right? Yeah. Um, and, and what the doctrine of, of particular or definite atonement is saying, it's saying that that actually happened. Yeah. That actually happened at a place, at a time when Jesus was hung on the cross, when he said, it is finished he meant it is finished. And what Jesus did after that, after he rose, he ascended, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. His work on earth was done. Yeah. The sacrifice was done. All my sins, your sins were paid for, past, present, future. Isn't it so good to know that I, I can't lose? Totally. I can't lose my salvation based on my works? Yeah. And when you... I think the better you understand the limited atonement, the better than you understand the the assurance of our salvation. When you yeah. see that on the cross, Jesus died, particularly for you, yeah, and for those whom He has elected, like it for gives us so much confidence, yeah, not in ourselves, but in His grace and the sufficiency of what Christ has done for us. So. So and here's the other thing I would say, because the, the, the philosophical argument, we, we have to realize we're not just, this doesn't just fly in the face of, of, of what many Christians understand or believe. 
this flies in the face of our world, of 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 the philosophy of the world, um, and and part of what, what how the world would argue, and even many Christians would argue, is well, well then if if he has secured our salvation and he's bought our our salvation, then why be holy? Hmm. Why pursue holiness? Why why do missions? You know, that's another question, right? right. Why? And I, I heard you talking about it in the hallway with one of your uh, um, peeps. Uh, peeps here. Yes, one of your ladies here. Congregant peeps. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and, and here's the thing is when you understand that Jesus died specifically for you, yeah. knowing you, loving you, redeeming you on the cross, the, the right response isn't to say, oh, well, then what do I have to do? Well, we that's understand not, that he... He particularly died for you for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And like Ephesians 1.3, uh, uh, or Ephesians, yeah, 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Verse 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless. Yeah. The purpose of God choosing and saving you yeah. was to make you holy. Yeah. So when we understand this particular atonement, yeah. definite atonement, we understand that holiness, it's, it's not even optional. It's, it's what it is to be a Christian, to be a disciple, to be in Christ. The very purpose of Jesus saving you to, to be a part of his bride yeah. is for you to be holy. Well, and, and at some point, you know, this will come together. We need to do the solis eventually. Uh, that'd be fun. Uh, but soli deo gloria. Yeah. Right to God alone be the glory. God is glorified in everything, even your sanctification. Yeah, He He is the one who is sanctifying you. You know, uh, for I'm convinced that He is able. Uh, uh, who or He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He is the one who sanctifies. He is the one who changes yeah. you. And so our response, and as as we understand that we have been redeemed, particularly, definitely redeemed, our sin atoned for, is not to throw our hands up in the air and say, woohoo, I can do whatever I want. No, that's not the, that's not a, the right response to that kind of love. Right. The, the right response to that kind of love is to say... Well, and I, how, I, I would even like push on, like when we say response, it's the work of the Spirit though. So mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. like when we, I think the more we understand it, I mean, yes, God's working in our wills that we want to serve him and that we want to love him. But the purpose of our saving is to be holy. That is the work of the spirit. So anyone that would then say, you know, I'm a Christian, but this holiness or, or even gathering with the church, reading the Bible, sharing the gospel, um, you know, being patient, demonstrating the fruit of the spirit, you know, to think any of that's actually optional you know, they don't understand what the Spirit is actually doing in them. It's to make us into the image of Jesus Christ. Um, a couple of our texts, though. Uh, one, that this one was, was really helpful for me a long time ago uh, when I first came across it was Revelation 13.8, where it talks about, in Revelation 13, it talks about the beast, and, and it's talking about everyone in the world will worship uh, the, this antichrist type beast, but then it says in verse 13 8, all who dwell on earth will worship it, meaning the beast. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who was slain. So yeah. Revelation says that there's a book 
that existed before the foundation of the world. And the title of the book is The Life of the Lamb Who Was Slain. And there are names in this book. And the names are those who will not worship the beast, meaning they're those who worship Christ. And all of that has been written prior to the creation of the earth. And so that was just really helpful for me in seeing you know, the, the beauty or, or the doctrine of election and this doctrine of, of definite atonement. Uh, it's, it's throughout all of Scripture, and there are passages like this one that just present it very clearly that God has chosen a people prior to creation to be saved. Um, even Hebrews 9, verse 15, Therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called mm-hmm. may receive the promised eternal inheritance. So, there is this new covenant, and who's going to receive it? Those who are called the bride, the yeah. particular people that Christ has died for. Um, and again, we could keep going through uh, lots of text. Uh, I think we need to get to the beauty of... Well, and, and I, 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 think, I think one thing that's helpful, because when we start saying, you know, like the word limited atonement... Uh, I think the Arminian position would say, hey, it's not good to limit what Christ did. But we need to understand that everyone except universalists, universalists are people who believe everyone will eventually be be in heaven. Um, Everyone, the Arminian and the Calvinist, will limit the atonement. So if you're listening to this and you're saying, look, I'm not on board with this idea of limiting the work of Christ... Everyone limits it unless if you have the heretical view of universalism that says everyone ends up in heaven. Um, The Arminians, they limit the nature of the atonement. They say Christ died for all, but it secured no one's uh, salvation. So they limit the achievement of the cross. The Calvinists, they limit the extent of the atonement. Um, they say Christ's death was sufficient for everyone, but only efficient for the elect. Um, so both are limiting here. I so, would say they limit the scope, wouldn't you? Because the extent... Well, I, I, the extent meaning all people. Yeah. So they would limit saying it's not for all people in the sense of every single person who has ever lived, yeah. um, but the intent was for the particular bride. Yes. So while it's sufficient for everyone, it's efficient for the particular bride, meaning it's only going to bring the bride to salvation. And so there's a mystery here too that we have to, we have to accept that we're not saying by any means that, that we would even know. Did you get it in your eye again? I'm done with this coffee. You should be. This coffee like it's, lethal. It is, it is detrimental to your, your health. Um, there's a mystery to this where, like, do we know who his bride is and who his, who his bride is not? No. I mean, we're, we as the church, we're called to discern and, and to discern by the fruit in people's lives. Um, well, and, and John would say, like in 1 John 3, those who love are yep. of the children of God. Yep. Those who do not love the brothers, those mm-hmm. who do not love one another, are of the children of the devil. Yeah. So by our works, our, it, it, it ought to be evident it indicates. that we love God. Yeah. But there's no way just, you know, lining up 50 people and saying who saved. I mean, that, that goes back to election. Yeah. Like, 
We don't know who's elect. And and no man is sufficient to determine that. We we as the church are given are, are we're actually we're given mandates uh to discern inside the body, to, to discern the body, right? Uh based off of what we see in the fruit. But but as far as like we go preach the gospel everywhere. Yeah. Like that, that, this doesn't just because we can't comprehend or we wouldn't do it this way <laughs> because it wouldn't be just for us, you know, to sit in God's seat uh, at all. Um, what we're what we're not saying, what we're not saying, and when we talk about limited atonement, is is that we we uh, discriminate. No. Uh, where we, who to whom we preach the gospel? Well, in, in or, fact, to to press on that, then, like when we come to those texts, uh, like First Timothy two five and six, uh, which talks about uh, you know Christ dying for all people. Uh, when that when we come to that word all, that word all doesn't mean you know all persons like every person who's alive but it means all persons meaning uh in different ethnicities in different tribes and different languages we're talking about distinctions here uh the gospel saves a people from from all tribes, tongues, yeah. nation, languages, the Jew and the Gentile, or Colossians says the barbar or Galatians, the barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free. Well, and and the context, and we were talking about this before. I keep forgetting what we said before we turn the microphones on. Um, the context, if you it, first century, first century Judaism was very ethnocentric. Totally, and. And so the reason why we see so much all language in the Bible is it's inclusive of every of every ethnicity. Because Jews thought they were they, the only people of they God. They were the chosen people. Only they are saved. Only the people of Israel will be saved. Right. And and so what we see, you know, when 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 first of all John declares that Jesus is the savior of the world, that sh- that that should raise some ears. Right uh, in the in the Jewish nation, yeah. but that he died for all people. What is what are they saying? He's died for every tribe, yeah. every tongue, every nation, uh, and and that's why even in, in the Book of Revelation, when, when the passage that we just read was really scandalizing, even uh, to many of the Jews of that day. And that's why Peter had had such a hard time. Peter had a hard time going to Cornelius. Yeah. Right. Going to a Gentile whom God was calling him to go to, yeah, uh, it, it was a big deal. And so when we we have to read the Bible in that context and understand how they were reading it, what the all really meant. And and so and this isn't trying to perform like theological backflips and stuff, trying to get around things. But what we're saying is we really need to press into the context when we're in these passages that speak about all. Like what does that mean? Like in first. John 2, when it says Jesus died as a propitiation for all people. Okay, so did he really absorb the wrath of God for every single person? Well, we know that's not true because in 1 John 3, we see that there are children of God and children of the devil. Mm -hmm. Um, So we know that not all people, uh, their sins have been absorbed by the very wrath of God. So we need to read in context. Um, De Young did a good book, uh, did a good job in his book talking about the word world and showed how the word world is used all throughout the Bible in the New Testament. And he showed that the word world, um, when it refers 
when it refers to um, our the bigness, like the bigness of the world, it always refers to distinction, um, not uh, let's see, world without. It means world without distinction means everyone without distinction, not everyone without exception. Meaning, meaning people of different rank, of different ethnicity. Uh, that's the way world is used, not. All people without exception, meaning yeah. every single person alive. Um, so he did a really good job in his book, kind of fleshing out what the word "world" means. Uh, again, that, that's that's something just to work through, to wrestle with, uh, but to kind of to move this into uh, the application of it. Uh, yeah. Do you want to read that quote? So we we keep kind of bringing up this book, Metters. Uh, what's it called? Humble Calvinism. By J.A. Metters. Check it out. Uh, I would say it is one of the better books on presenting Calvinism in a very humble way, Mm -hmm. but in a way that really leads to worship. He shows the beauty uh, of each of these doctrines and how they shouldn't lead us to uh, like theological pride. Um, or to arguments, or to division, but to really unite us in Christ and show uh, how they lead us to praise. And so he just did a great job. So we kind of keep hitting that one. That one is listed uh, on the resource page on our website, which is www.satisfiedinchrist.life. That is dot L-I-F-E. All right, read the quote. It's good. All right. Um, Yeah, from page 109. Uh, this is this is what he says. The faces we see on Sunday, people smiling and serving, we must love beyond a foggy sense of obligated love. We must love our fellow church members with specificity. You must be committed to serving, praying for, and encouraging the people precisely placed in your life by God. Um, I, I, so what he's doing, he's saying, well, he's saying that yeah. Jesus at the cross didn't, didn't die with, with kind of this abstract love, like I'm just going to die for all these people and I hope some are going to come to me or I'm going to die to make salvation possible. Yeah. But he died knowing you, thinking about you, loving you particularly so that we would then demonstrate that kind of love within the church. So when we gather and we have different people in the church, maybe maybe people with different likes, maybe people who look different, rather than go, oh, you know, um, you know, have division, yeah, yeah. Um, but that we would love them, and so, that this doctrine is meant to move us towards yeah. our brothers and sisters. This is what I should have read. Here we go. Uh, Definite atonement reminds you, brother or sister, that Jesus really did die for you. He had you specifically in mind. Your sins, from birth certificate to death certificate, were taken on and taken away by Jesus. He took your guilt, your shame, your death, deliberately, specifically, consciously. You are redefined by his definite death for your specific sins. He didn't die for an undefined people whose names and identities he didn't know. He died for his flock, whom he knows by name, and he hung there for each of them, knowing them, loving them. He knew all your faults, sins, and ridiculousness, and he still let nails be hammered into his hands and feet because of his love for you. You can say with Paul that Christ loved me and gave himself for me. Beloved, Jesus loved you personally and gave himself for you definitely. Yeah, that's uh, good. And that, that's, that's what this doctrine does. It, yeah. it shows us the beauty of the death of Christ on the cross and 
He died for a particular bride, and he knows that bride. He knows our sins. He knows our weaknesses. He knows, um, he knows our struggles. And, and in that, he died for us. He died knowing every single thing about us so that on the cross, he would atone for those sins that we would then be saved and made holy so that we would love others okay. that way. So he, he, he continues, definite atonement is the death blow to our sins. The definite atonement, excuse me, the death blow to our sins must also be the death blow to our pride. We can't be the kinds of people who love the letter of the atonement but neglect the spirit of it. The definite atonement of Christ brings a definite humility to our lives seen in acts of specific sacrificial surface. And he continues, a true knowledge of the atonement leads you beyond conversations on the extent of the atonement. It leads you to ask your pastors and church leaders to what extent you can serve your church. Keep walking past the debate halls and into the hall where your children, where the children of your church are taught. Clean the bathrooms, pass out bulletins, help people park, wash the coffee pots. The specificity of the atonement calls for specific humble acts of service in the body of Christ. Which, you know, like, honestly, uh, until Metter's book, I don't think I had heard of this doctrine talked about in such a beautiful way. Like, he just does a really good job fleshing out if Jesus loved specifically, yeah. then we are to love specifically yeah. too. Yeah. Like we're not just to say, hey, just just love yeah. as in just some very vague way. But we're to say, look, if Christ loved us, knowing all this about us, seeing all these things about us and died for us, then that's how we love one another too. Um, I want to read, I, let me read one more, just paragraph. The, yeah, effect of, the effect of the atonement on daily life is practical. And, and this, this is why I want to read it because... For many people, they think, well, theology is not really practical. But it plays out, friends. It plays out in how you live and what you do. The effect of the atonement on daily life is practical. It is connected to the nitty-gritty of life. It helps us not to jockey for the front seat of the car, which my children do all the time, or to pout when we don't get to go to the restaurant we wanted to, or when our spouse would rather watch another singing competition or superhero flick. The cross teaches us, compels us to consider the interests of others. That's good. This is a doctrine that's meant to move us to one another. Just as it moved Christ to go from heaven to earth, it moves us to go across the street, to go across the cubicles, to go across the aisles in our church, and to love other people. You know, and I, I think also today, just there are so many people in our churches that that struggle with the idea of re- realizing that Jesus loves them. Yeah, you know they they wrestle yeah. with well, does Jesus really love me? How do I yeah. know Jesus really loved me? Um, they question it as if at any moment their yeah. salvation could be lost. Uh, yeah. <laughs> whether it's because they would do something uh, un- unworthy in, in their eyes or not, or just thinking, you know, maybe God will just change His mind about me because yeah. I'm not that special. Yeah. Um, this doctrine yeah. shows us the beauty of God's love. This is what Piper said, and, and it's just it's just good. He says. God does not mean for the bride of his son, meaning the church, to only feel loved with general world-embracing love. He means for her to feel ravished with the specificity of his affection that he set on her before the world existed. He means for us to feel a focused, I chose you. So like, like if you're listening to this and you struggle with, man, to... Does Jesus love me? You know, how do I know? 
that Jesus loves me? This doctrine shows that on the cross, that if you believed in Christ, that if you know that Jesus Christ is Lord of all, and he died on the cross for you and rose again from the grave, defeating sin, that Jesus specifically loves you and chose you, that you would feel that that warm embrace of this doctrine. Nick, I remember um, when this doctrine really hit my heart. Yeah. You know, because you can understand it from a theoretical standpoint, but when it hit my heart, I just remember listening. I was, I was, I was in church. I, th- I think, uh, I think actually my pastor was doing a series on Tulip, but he re- he renamed it Rupub, um, and he was talking about particular atonement. Yeah. And and all I could do was was weep. Hmm. All I could do is weep because I'm I'm hearing that my salvation is secure in him, not because of what I can or will or can't do, but because of what he did and that his love was set on me yeah. from the foundation of the earth. And it has not and will not move away from me. Yeah, that's good. It's beautiful. Yeah. And, and it's that kind of love that, like you said, it, it crushes anxiety. Yeah. It removes fears. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- those very things that, that make us question God yeah. or make us wrestle yeah. within our own faith that if we're saved, the anxieties that, that raise up within us, this love is meant to overcome those things and show us the greatness of God's love for us, yeah. is give us a bigger view of the cross. So if, the word limited, I mean... It's a, it's the it's the wrong it's the wrong word it when just you think starts of with an L. as we who are saved look back at the cross. There's no limiting in, in that type of sense. It's, it just shows us the magnitude of His yeah. love. Yeah. Uh, but it's precisely because Jesus did die for a particular bride. Yeah. Um, and again, we know that this is a hard doctrine. We know that it takes time wrestling through Scripture. It's not one that, that many people just turn to in, in a night. Um, but it takes time, just as, as many doctrines are in God's Word. We must grow in them and grow in our understanding of them and our love for them. Uh, so we'd encourage you to keep pressing in on it. Uh, but this is a doctrine that's meant to move us to love. It's meant to remove uh, division, to overcome those. Uh, that we would truly have unity within the church, unity within the body of believers. Um, yeah. Should we, uh, anything else we want to, uh, uh, again, there's there's resources that we have up there. Anything, la- last thought you got? Last thought I got. Um, make it good. Make dun, it dun, dun, dun. Yeah. All right, this no one, pressure. This one no pressure. is like Twitter, Twitterable. <laughs> um, I would say this. Um, that it, when when you come to understand the particular and the definite atonement of of Christ, when you read things out of Hebrews, for example, Hebrews ten, um, Hebrews ten, we see a picture of Jesus as our high priest, who stands before, who came before God Himself with yeah. His own blood, right. And, and the author of Hebrews is, is contrasting humanly priests. He says, and, and every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. So all this whole temple sacrifice system, it was never meant 
to really take away sins. Right. It's meant to point to the one who, who does and who can. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemy should be made his footstool for his feet. And this is one of those, the kingdom is here and not yet, right? Yeah. But we continue, verse 14, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. It's good. He has perfected you and I and all who, who have come to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Christ. He's perfected us for all time by one single sacrifice. Yeah. My sins have been atoned for past, present, and future. And my feet are securely on the rock of Jesus. I belong to him. I'm yeah. his bride. I'm his child. And I, I live in that freedom. That's freedom. Yeah. That's freedom. It's good, man. It's good. I think I'd probably say, uh, you know, understanding this doctrine, uh, Jesus died for a bride, and he's interceding for that bride yeah. right now. So not only did Jesus know you on the cross, die for you on the cross. He's right now for this bride, for you who believe in Jesus, interceding for you. Um, by that, name. By name. Yeah. That you would continue to persevere so that when he returns, he will gather you into his uh, presence forever. I think of uh, Romans eight thirty four. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. Uh, no, eight thirty. 833, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is one who died. More than that, who is raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who is indeed interceding for us? Who is, in, who is he interceding for? The elect. Yeah. Who is the elect? The particular bride that Christ died for. Yeah. Um, this, this doctrine truly does. It severs the root of humility. Or, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> severs the root of pride. Pride. And it fosters the root of humility. It's the very, it's the very ground that humility grows in. Yeah. Is is this kind of doctrine? Um, unfortunately, it's often a cause of argument. But as yeah. Metters, I think, really does show, and hopefully, as we've just talked about, it's meant to move us to love, yeah. um, just as Christ has loved us. You want to pray? You always ask me to pray. You are such a good prayer. Oh, pray, prayer? Pray, pray, prayer. Pray, prayer. 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 You're a good prayer person. Pray, yeah. You pray more better. <laughs> and your grammar, yeah. your, your grammar is more great. You know, look, I don't speak much in front of people, so, you know, I'm just a pastor. <laughs> I'll pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, um, we praise you and thank you, Lord. And we, we come to you as people whose hearts have been captivated by your love because you first loved us. Not, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to gloriously propitiate, um, to redeem, to bear the wrath, to bear the sin of his bride so that he might bring us to him and present us to himself as glorious, as the people who've been transformed into your image, as the people who behold your glory, Lord Jesus, and, and are sanctified and changed by your love, by your beauty by your glory. 
And so, Lord, we pray that uh, you would uh, work in the hearts of your people, uh, Lord, that you would use uh, just this conversation and your, your word, Lord, to comfort um, to comfort the afflicted, to comfort those who, who see their own sin, Lord, and, and know that they're, um, uh, uh, Lord, know that, that they're fallen people. Uh, but Lord, but you save a fallen people. You save a people who, who, who is humble, um, who recognize their sin and, and recognize their need of you. You save a thirsty people, Lord. Um, and, and we are, Lord, we're thirsty for you. Uh, so I pray today as, as, as we close, um, Lord, would you just press upon us the beauty, the beauty of your atonement that you did, in fact, die for us and have perfected us for all time. Amen. You have been listening to Satisfied in Christ. Uh, feel free to go to our website, satisfiedinchrist.life. You can find resources there. There's also a comment page. We'd love to hear whatever comments you have. If you have questions about uh, definite atonement or anything else regarding the doctrines of grace or anything in the Bible or just about Bobby, uh, we'd love to uh, answer those questions. And yeah, satisfiedinchrist.life. Take it away, Mitch. Wow.